draft the 2018 Rookie of the Year in the fifth round. What running back or fantasy owner sleeping on in rookie drafts? And we play a Would You Rather with one of the newest members of the Chicago Bears. Plus, the 2017 FFPC 1250 number three live best ball champ Kevin Proctor is here to talk about the Browns' backfield, loading up on rookies in redraft leagues, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzek is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your Season 7 High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour premiere show starts right now. Once upon a time, not long ago, when people wore pajamas and lived life slow, where laws were stern and justice stood, and people were behaving like they ought to good, there lived a little boy who was misled by another little boy, and this is what he said. Me and you tonight, we're going to make some cash, robbing old folks and making the dance. They did the job, money came with ease But one couldn't stop, it's like he had a disease He robbed another and another and a sister and a brother Tried to rob a man who was a DC undercover The cop grabbed his arm, he started acting erratic Broadcast live and heard around the world You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com With your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Shot for the head, he shot back with he meant to. Looked around good and from expectations, he decided he'd hit for the subway station. But she was coming and he made a left. He was running top speed till he was out of breath. Knocked an old man down. Thank you so much, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all of you Balkaholics and Gerzakinetics. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, Dave Gerzak, better known as The Dizzle. Coming up on tonight's show is David Johnson being undervalued, who is the Colts' number two wideout and more, plus the 2017 FFPC 1250 Live Best Ball number three league winner Kevin Proctor drops in to give us some best ball tips, what's stuck out for him in FFPC drafts so far this season, and much, much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFR, at Eric Balkman, or at David Gerzak this evening. You can post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash HSFFR2. If you want to chime in and talk with us, give us a call at 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now is the time to send them. Our producer and mutual friend Rob and our audio engineer Bryce will get those questions to us in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Season 7, Dave, I misspoke last week. I thought we did Season 7 already. We did not. I was so excited that we were going to um, have our 8th season, but that's not till next year as uh, we are kicking off Season 7 this week. So very exciting that we've been doing this six years and now here we are in our seventh year. Did you ever think we would get to seven years of doing this show? No. You know what? I didn't think it would take me seven years to still have the live chat not load properly for me, but here we are. It's great. Here we are indeed. You, um, know, what I, you know what? I will say I'm, not, I'm no longer really very nervous doing the show anymore. I'm comfy. Well, were you ever? I never really thought you were ever nervous doing the show. Uh, not really, actually. It sounds like something you're saying. It's no big deal. You're the dizzle. You're not allowed to get nervous. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, very exciting. I'm, I'm glad to be back. Yeah. I'm glad we got re-signed for our you know seventh year option. We got franchise tag. Right. 
Maybe you have always signed the contract. Unlike maybe I've always signed the deal. We always sign the deal. So we're good. Yeah, we'll take that guaranteed money every single Thanks, time. Thanks, Alex. You're the best, buddy. You know, we really appreciate you. Keep you know bringing us back for more and more. One of us I appreciate appreciates you more than the other. <laughs> That's true. But it's very close. Football guys, early bird promotion. Get that free $35 credit now. Uh, you have until June 30th to sign up for a team. You have July 15th till draft it. So get in on those early football guys drafts and uh, make sure you're getting those free uh, $35 teams from the FFPC. Our main event, early bird, expires May 31st. That is two weeks from today. Uh, room discounts at Planet Hollywood. Don't forget about that $10 sportsbook restaurant lounge viewing uh, to Caesars property when you stay at Planet Hollywood or another Caesars property. Uh, out in Vegas. So a lot of information there. You can check that out at myffpc.com slash main event. Register for best ball drafts at $35, $77, and $250 that are now drafting slow and live. Dynasty startups are available. I think we have some dynasty startups kicking off this weekend, Dave, don't we? Like stuff that's still available, open spots. Oh, actually, we uh, they're going to be drafting on the 26th because we want to give people a little bit of time for trading. So a little bit of breathing room. Yeah, Get your some, ducks in a row. There's a lot of them that are close to filling with four left, four left five left, six left, stuff like that. So those are all okay. uh, And then uh, final plug for me, Roto World, uh, excuse me, rotounderworld.com slash podcast. You can listen to the latest uh, episode with uh, Matt Kelly and yours truly. Of course, you can follow Matt on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. He will be in the pros versus Joe's competition again this year. This is one of the most entertaining podcasts out there, much more entertaining than this one. In fact, I'll say this right now. Push stop. On your iPhone, up, iPod, go listen to the Roto you know, podcast. This is just, you know, get treated this way. It's disrespectful. Fantastic way, stuff Matt, there. Yeah, he is great. Uh, it's called the Mark Ingram Movie Cliche is the name of the episode. It's two hours, so it's you got to dedicate yourself to it. You know what? He doesn't good. do it live. He, ta- you know, he tapes it, and then he does a lot of editing, a lot of post-product. Our stuff. stuffy stuff makes it all the way through. Right. So what are we supposed to do about that? Yeah. Okay. Um, so check that out, rotoworld.com slash podcast. Enough of that. Let's get to the real star of the show tonight, and I want to bring him in right now. He is uh, coming up on completing his third decade playing fantasy football in 12 of those years at the high-stakes level. Coming off a 17th-place overall finish in the WCOF in 2010, he joined the FFPC in uh, 2011. Back in 2013, he finished fifth overall in the uh, main event, and if it wasn't for a costly lineup decision in Week 14 of that year, we might be talking to a main, main event overall champ tonight. He does have numerous uh, top 100 finishes in the Football Guys Players Championship to his name and is the defending champ in the FFPC 1250 Best Ball Number 3 League, and he is our first guest of Season 7 on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Please welcome in the owner of the Throwbacks franchise, Kevin Proctor. Kevin, thanks for doing the show on a Thursday this week, man. We really appreciate it. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. To kick things off, I want to talk to you about this uh, week 14 decision that may have cost you the, uh, the main event title. Uh, would, it would have been five years ago now. Can you tell us a little bit what happened there? Oh, yeah, there's nothing like uh, telling a story that cost you a quarter of a million dollars. Um, but it was uh, <laughs> one line up decision week 14. Um, it came down to uh, Robert Griffin III was my, my starting quarterback the whole year. And it was his second season, so coming off the ACL, it wasn't his uh, electric rookie season. Um, Andy Dalton was uh, my backup at the time. Uh, I had played RG3 every week up into uh, week 14, the first round of the uh, the championship rounds. And uh, the decision was RG3 at home versus uh, the Chiefs. 
and it happened to be snowing in in, uh, in Washington that day, just a little bit. And uh, the Chiefs had a pretty good uh, pretty good defense that year. And Andy Dalton was playing at home against the Colts, and it was uh, it was raining in, uh, in in Cincinnati that day. So um, you know the decision was you know I thought maybe it would be a little bit more of a shootout in the uh, in the, in the Cincinnati game. Both games had somewhat low over unders. Um, in the end, I stuck to my guns. I went with RG3. He got knocked out in the first half of that game. He uh, scored 13 points. Andy Dalton lit up uh, the Colts that game through four touchdowns, scored over 30. And uh, the difference of 20-some-odd points was the difference between me and finishing fifth and first that year. So, yeah, one decision cost me the title on a quarter of a million dollars. So that's a tough one to live with. It is, but, you know, the way that you explain it, I feel like if you had to do it over again, you probably, I mean, your reasoning was pretty sound in this, and it was, you know, it was unfortunate that, that uh, RG3 had the injury. But I think, like, the, the thing that I take from that is, like, you know, you, you used all the best possible information at your disposal. You made what you thought would be the right decision. It didn't work out. But I, I can't believe that that decision has changed the way that you've managed lineups in the future, though, right? No, it was not. No, it was. It's, it's you know what I uh, I made the decisions. You you make the decisions. You live with them. You're never going to get them all right. Um, I did believe at the time that Dalton might have been the best decision. I think the thing that uh, bothers me the most about it. But I stuck with my guns, and uh, you know I went with RG three. So um, turned well, out to be the wrong decision. Yeah, let, let's listen. We don't want to bring up past pain too oh, much. Yeah, on I know it's, it's terrible. You're ruining the interview already. I am. I, I'm train wrecking. I'm going to try to. Cry. Hey, what is this? Diana Sawyer? <laughs> you're trying to try make him cry yeah, on the show? Yeah. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to do Tell this. Tell us about. Did you have any problems with your childhood? All right, that's. Uh, we don't need to, to to go to that extreme here. <laughs> Kevin, uh, I'm going to try to dig myself out of this hole right now. Tell the uh, tell the listeners what you do for a living when you're uh, you're not cashing FFPC checks. Absolutely. Uh, I'm a I'm a business development officer and trust department in uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Um, so I work with uh, one of the large national banks, and I uh, I work with 17 retail branches in in looking for opportunities for our group. I just learned something about these. Okay. It's not Wilkes Dash Bar. It's Wilkes-Barre. Wilkes-Barre. Yeah. Well, there you Wilkes-Barre. go. Super. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> I knew that because isn't there a isn't there and Kevin? Maybe you can, I know this is not football, but isn't there a is there a Yankees or a Phillies minor league affiliate there? Yes, there's uh, the the Rail Riders, which is the uh, the Yankees Triple A team. Yeah, and, and I that's kind of pretty cool. Triple A, that's a big deal. Yeah, very very yep. cool. Let's move on and uh, and talk uh, about that 1250 title last year, Dave. So Kevin. yeah, you drafted the uh, currently suspended Mark Ingram at the four one zero. He's still going to 3 one 12 this year, even after his suspension. In fact, according to our statistics, he has yet to fall out of the fifth round overall in any draft. Since the NFL draft. Since the NFL draft. Yeah. Is the four, right. Do you think the four-game suspension is a little bit overblown, or do you think FFPC drafters are taking him a little too high? I mean, too yeah. high. That was a performance answer. No. He wasn't right. I, You know, in the leagues that I have done, I've done a lot of drafts since, uh, since the suspension. Um the uh, the drafts that I I've seen him go in have typically he's fallen between the mid fifth to the late fifth round. Um, at that price, I'm definitely a buyer, um, and the reason being, especially in the draft expert leagues, um, you know when I'm when I'm selecting my my players in draft expert leagues, 
I'm looking for guys that could uh, pop 20-point games, 20-30 point games. And uh, if you look at Mark Ingram last year, I mean, from week 5 to, to 16, so you're going to get basically 11 games out of him because of the, uh, the bye week. He had, he had seven games of 20, 20 or more points. So I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a running back from the sixth round on that's going to give you seven games at 20 points or more. So I'm buying at that price. I think that's, that's, that's a good, that's a good price from there. It's a little bit more difficult in the uh, season long league. Um, you know, the main event football guy of guys events, um, you know, you're, you're sacrificing the third of the season, but I am still willing. In fact, I did take him at five twelve in the last football guys draft that I did. So I, I am still willing to pay that price. Uh, at the in that same draft, uh, I believe my figures are correct here, Kevin. But at the seven twelve in that same draft, you took uh, rookie running back from the Browns, Nick Chubb. I'm curious to uh, find out how you see the backfield touches, you know, carries and and catches included. How do you see them being divided up between both, uh, or excuse me, with uh, Nick Chubb, Carlos Hyde, and Duke Johnson? Yeah, I mean, I I'll give you two two examples of, of what I where I think that's going to go. Um, in 2015, the Arizona Cardinals drafted David Johnson, and uh, you know he turned out to be a, a mid-round pick in fantasy football. Um, you know, people are worrying about Ellington and, and Chris Johnson being in the mix that year. Um, clearly, David Johnson was the best running back in the preseason. I think uh, if you watch the games, everybody could see that. Um, Bruce Arians kind of slow played him. Um, he got some action early in the year. He busted some big plays, and then he kind of went away in the middle of the year. David Johnson goes down, or I'm sorry, Chris Johnson goes down later on in that year. He gets a chance to to be the uh, the, the, the three down back, and uh, he ended up being the best running back, fantasy running back at the end of the year that year. Um, a lot of teams that that had him uh, rostered won their won their leagues. The next year, 2016. He's a first-round draft pick. And I think uh, similarly last year with uh, Alvin Kamara, um, same thing, drafted by the Saints, um, mid-round pick. People worried about uh, Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson running in front of him. Um, You know, Peterson gets cut. Kamara gets his chance. Turns into one of the best running backs last year. This year he's a first-round draft pick. I think that's what you're going to see with Chubb. I uh, I think early on you'll see... You know, uh, Hyde and, and Duke Johnson certainly will be in the mix. Um, I think by week five or six, I think Chubb will become the the the, uh, the winning ball carrier there. And I think towards the end of the year, he he very well may be a a league winner for a lot of teams that draft him. And I do think uh, next year when we're looking at drafting Chubb, he'll be a a late first, early second round draft pick. I think he's uh, he's dynamic. I think he's uh, the the second best running back in the draft next to Saquon Barkley. And I think if uh, if you look at his combine numbers, um, you know, if it wasn't for Barkley, we'd be talking about him a lot. Yeah, you know, certainly I think that the biggest thing that people penalize Nick Chubb over is that ACL injury that he suffered at Georgia. But if you look at the film since he tore that ACL, you see a lot of his wiggle, a lot of his mobility uh, has returned. Maybe not all the way, but he doesn't have to return it, have it return all the way. When you have an offensive line like that and with the other playmakers that are on the Browns right now, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for some opening running lanes and maybe some uh, good uh, opportunities for touchdowns there as well. These Browns running backs still bunched up in FFPC drafts right now. Chubb is actually going first among them at the 607, uh, but not far behind is Carlos Hyde at the 707 and Duke Johnson at the 710 right now. So clearly Chubb has risen a little bit, but you would not think for 
you know, if he is as talented as a lot of people think he is, um, we could be looking at a, a few round jump, Dave, uh, by the time the main event rolls around. We could see Nick Chubb going maybe the third or fourth round. That would really, that would be a lot for him to go that You don't see it happening. That's fine. You can call me out on it. I don't see it happening because of the, I don't think the coaching staff puts them there. I actually totally agree with everything Kevin said. Yeah. I'm actually curious if, they're, if, the, if the Browns are going to re-sign Duke Johnson his contract stuff after That's the another year. thing that we're going to have to. And Chubb actually looked good pat, catching the ball in the com, and the combine as pro day. His, his metrics are decent, actually, too. For, for me, a pass catching back. And he is, dude, he is rocked up. Right. So Quan Barkley actually said, yeah. who's the guy that impressed you at the combine? And he goes, Nick Chubb. Yeah. And, and I'll say this, too. Uh, Duke Johnson, free agent after this year. Carlos Hyde, it was, I, know it was a, I know it was a three-year deal. It's very easy for Cleveland Carlos to get out. Sucks. It's very easy for Cleveland to get out of that after one year. You could be looking at Nick Chubb as a full three-down feature back, like bar none, next year. And could be, he could be, honestly, a, a, an early second-round pick in FFPC drafts next year. Things that's, fall that that's way. That's what Kevin just said. Kevin, you want to finish that up? Yeah. Any other thoughts on Yeah, no, I, the, only I would, the only thing I would add to that is, um, you know, I, I know he didn't have a lot of catches last year. Um, Sony Michelle only had nine catches last year. Nobody's worried about his hands, right? And, uh, you know, his freshman year, Nick Chubb had 18 catches, 200-some-odd yards, and two receiving touchdowns. So, certainly, he's got, he's got the ability to catch the ball. Yeah, he definitely can catch. I like, I like watching Chubb's interview, too. He's like a really – he always looks like he's serious and always kind of, like, pissed off. Yeah. I like running backs like that. You like that uh, – the guy's a little jiggly guy like Darius Geis. He's got his hair all flailing all over the place. got to get the guys that – He's bit. annoying. Business time and chip on their shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so back to a real question. <laughs> Kevin, you've done a lot of best ball drafts already. Uh, can you give us some of the things that have stuck out to you so far? Any tips, advice, uh, tidbits? Trends, anything you've noticed? Yeah, exactly. Anything that can help yeah. us sell more best ball drafts? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out for myself. But, uh, no, I, you know, I think um, more and more you're starting to see that uh, running backs are flying off the board. Um, I think the, uh, the the days of the zero running back strategy are, are, are falling. Um, you, you still have, you'll see one or two guys uh, a draft that'll that'll try that strategy, but for the most part, people are off that strategy. Um, the rookie running backs are really uh, moving up uh, the board. I, I think that's based on the success of the rookie running backs from 2017. So whereas this time last year you were able to get Kamara in round 15, 16. Uh, and Hunt in round 10, Dalvin Cook in round 6, you're going to invest a, a uh, third or fourth round for almost every single uh, rookie running back. Saquon goes in the first, of course. Um, so, and then, of course, in, in the FFPC with the, the premium put on tight ends, tight ends are, are flying off the board early as well. And um, it, it's, it doesn't seem to be a, uh, a deep uh, tight end class to me. Um, wide receivers do, uh, do seem to be uh, pretty deep this year. So uh, my strategy has been, for the most part, um, running backs, tight ends early, um, and then loading up on tight end or uh, receivers in mid and late rounds. So, Bucky, let me ask you, so do you, know where, uh, you have ADP up there? I sure do, Dave. Where's Rojo going, Ronald Jones? Ronald Jones, I believe, is the 501. I checked it earlier today. He, yeah, 501. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, so that is interesting. Um, okay, so yeah, so, he, uh, uh, so good. Go ahead, go ahead. It's your interview, buddy. Uh, you talk, Kevin. I, I've, <laughs> I've seen him going in the in the late third and early fourth in some of the drafts, even. So um, I definitely see Ronald Jones creeping up there as well. He looked good in minicamp, actually catching passes. Dirk Ketter, right? Yeah. He always, he seems like one of those old school kind of you know dickhead coaches where he's like <laughs> never wants to give a rookie any credit for anything. He's like. Yeah, 
Yeah, he looked good catching the ball. Yeah, yeah. It's one practice, whatever. Well, like he's like he was like he was pissed off that he was yeah. doing well. And you know what's funny is like he let, let Ronald Jones could like actually take like he could underperform this year and not meet expectations, and then the off season next year will hear him like espousing praise all over the right. place around yeah. him. Oh, like, like, this guy, is a, what he's done this offseason, it has been unbelievable. Yeah. You it's know? like the same dude. Tampa could take, like, a running back in the third round next year. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. He's probably a special team or whatever. Well, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> a path catching back. Kevin Proctor, the 1250 live best ball number three from the FFPC, uh, joins us la- uh, Excuse me, he joins us tonight, but he won the league last year. And, Kevin, I noticed also in your uh, latest football guys draft, Six rookies made their way onto your team, as well as Rico Don't Gathers. A player. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, as well as Rico Gathers, who basically didn't. I mean, I think he got a, a little preseason action in last year, but that was it. So six rookies. Rico Gathers. Talk a little bit about the strategy of, of why you selected so many first-year players in that uh, specific draft. Yeah, well, I I uh, I may not like this team uh, come early September, but you but you never know. Um, <laughs> Um, in this particular draft, I had the twelfth. I had the twelfth pick, and uh, you know, I got I got my the, my foundation guys in my starting lineup. Uh, you know, I have uh, Cousins and G, and, and uh, Jared Goff as uh, as my my quarterbacks, Leonard Fournette and Drake as my starting running backs, um, Allen Robinson, Julian Edelman, Robert Woods at receiver, and Rob Gronkowski at tight end. And uh, I like to think of myself as a, as a pretty aggressive drafter. So once I get that foundation in, I'm usually swinging for the fences, looking for, uh, looking for some home run picks. So uh, one guy that I, I draft consistently, consistently, and I believe, Dave, that you, you love this guy as well, uh, DJ Moore from Carolina. Um, I just think the guy's electric. Uh, when he gets the ball, yeah, he, he turns the tail running back. He, uh, you know, um, Steve Smith even compared him to himself on the NFL Network, and I, I could see that. Um, I think that guy has great potential to come right out of the gate and be a, a productive player. Also, uh, Michael Gallup, and I'll throw it at you guys. I mean, uh, you know, um, who do you think Dallas has a, a receiver that's that's really worth anything at this point? I mean, I I, I don't see it. Alan Hearns to me is is you know a number two, maybe a number three. Jacksonville almost cut him. So um, I I think uh, Michael Gallup has has uh, early potential to uh, to do something this year. Yeah, he definitely uh, has the opportunity uh, to maybe make a Sterling Shepard, maybe even a bigger than Sterling Shepard-like impact uh, in his rookie year last year. Shepard benefited from the Marshall and, and Beckham injuries, but certainly Gallup could could be like that hey, you know um, the, all season long. You know who the Cowboys should sign? There's that free agent wide receiver because the receiving core is problematic. Oh, yeah. that, does Bryant? Does, does Bryant? Yeah, exactly. Wait a minute, they're the team that caught him. Yeah. They're like the one team that needs Des Bryant, and they're the ones that cut him. I want to get back to this. Anyway, the so. drafting of all the rookies, I think like when you're drafting football guys drafts this early, I think the idea is to sort of lock in, and not even football guys drafts, just any drafts in general in April, May, June. The sort of idea is to lock in those like solid guys early on. But then, you know, you want to be taking these home run type picks. Alvin Kamara at this at this time last year uh, was like a 16th, 15th round pick. Kareem Hunt was like a 10th or 11th round pick. It's like it's these first year players, these rookies. If you hit on them in the late round, it's like a cheat code, man. And and you pair those as long as your guys stay healthy at the top of the draft, man. You got a a fantastic opportunity to do some serious damage in, in the contest. So, I, I, I mean, Kevin, you say like you may not like this team in September. There's a chance you might really like this team in September. 
Well, that that's just it. I mean, at this you know at this point, you could potentially get some bargains because we all know darn well if uh, Nick Chubb breaks a seventy yard run in the preseason, he's shooting up two or three rounds. Um, if, right. Uh, you know, you know if uh, if Gallup or, or or Moore makes a play in the preseason, they're jumping up several rounds. So. Yeah, to your point, um, you definitely could get some value. Um, you could also get burnt, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swing for the fences more times than not at this time at this time of the year. I agree. That's actually yep. a really interesting way to, to look at totally it. Totally with you. Early football, and plus, you know, you get you get the waiver period before the season. Two starts. of them. Yeah, you could pick up Justin yeah. Watson if he if he yeah. showed him, you know Deshaun Watson tore an ACL and Godwin also tore an ACL. Justin Jackson. Right from the Chargers. There you go. Another guy. Who knows? <laughs> you never well, know. Speaking of, I, and, uh, I, I may drop, I, go ahead, Kevin. I may, I, I may drop half this team. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's not a bad move. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you know, like there's that. Uh, you know, I, I mean, we may talk about him later, but that is a Darius Fountain. Like the, We're not going to talk about him later. Oh, I, I, no, we could talk about him later. The, but you could bring him up. Yeah. Like the number two wide receiver position for the Colts is wide open. Right. He, he was drafted ahead of Deion Kane. Right. He was. So, and uh, he had a 42-and-a-half-inch vertical, like an 11-something broad jump, 4 out of northern Iowa. He could be the number two wide receiver for this team. And in dynasty drafts, he's barely getting drafted at all. Like the four, if you have a four-round dynasty draft, no one's taking this guy. I think what we need to do is find out what the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, Jacoby Brissett, has to say well, yeah, about we have favorite Brissett, receivers, right. and then we'll figure it out. For yeah, Nerf ball, Andrew Luck, Netbeer doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. Anyway, so... Speaking of players, um, weird ones like that, uh, is there a player, uh, Kevin, that you are really heavily investing in that you can share with the listeners so we can all, uh, you know, ape your uh, draft? Yeah. Um, one guy that I seem to target a lot is, uh, you know, Alan Robinson in the fourth round. Um, I think he is in a, a good situation um, in, in, in Chicago. I think he's going to see – a lot of targets there, um, and I think for the first time in his career, he's got a, a quarterback that has some accuracy. Um, you know, if you think about in college, he played with Christian Hackenberg, and in Jacksonville, he was always frustrated playing with Blake Bortles. So um, he's two years removed from a, a 1,400-yard, 14-touchdown season, and um, I think he's going to get all the opportunity in the world uh, with the Bears this year. So he's one guy that I target. Um, I really love uh, Joe Mixon on, on the swing. Um, I really think uh, it's going to be a breakout season for for, for Joe. Um, we talked a little bit about DJ DJ Moore. Um, I like Zach Ertz at the end of the at the end of the second early third. I think he's uh, he's coming off a career year and <clears throat> Carson Wentz and 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 uh, Nick Foles seem to uh, have taken a liking to him. So I think he's just going to keep. Uh, Keep going. I can see him having 100 catches this year. Those are some of the guys that I oh, a lot in the early rounds. A lot of good names to be paying attention to uh, there for uh, for fellow high stakes players. Uh, Kevin, last year Todd Gurley rewarded owners who drafted him in like the second or maybe even third round uh, with an MVP MVP type season after he let a lot of owners down who drafted him in the first round the year before. Is there a guy? You know, maybe taking being taken in those first few rounds, or not necessarily there. But is there a guy that you could see bouncing back in a similar way this season that could really help a lot of owners uh, who maybe he burned last season? Yeah, I think uh, that that guy is uh, Joe Mixon for me. Um, I think he's got the ability. Um, he's got the size to uh, to be a three-down back. He's not coming out on the goal lines. He's got great hands. 
Um, I think towards the end of last year, I think we would have saw that. I think that Cincinnati was about to make him the workhorse back um, after, you know, splitting time with, with Hill and Geo for, for part of the season. But unfortunately he got injured and, um, you know, I don't think he was able to showcase what exactly he could do. And uh, I do believe that they're uh, rebuilding their offensive line this year. They're getting uh, Eifert back. They're getting Ross back. Um, I, I expect the team to uh, be much better on offense this year. And I think, uh, I think Joe Mixon could be that guy that, that carries teams to the, uh, to the, to the championship. Yeah, Mick Mixon's an interesting guy, and he's a guy that we'll have to be paying attention to. I mean, obviously, FFPC drafters uh, have not dropped him um, significantly based on his uh, season last year. He's going at the uh, at the 302 right now, so you still have to invest a significant pick in uh, to him, but it might be a pick worth investing in uh, this year, Dave. Um, I just have a like, yeah, go question ahead. about Joe Mixon. I can see the gears turning over there. Well, you know, and I, and I don't just – I've never been a big Joe Mixon fan. That is true. So Joe Mixon in college averaged 6.8 yards per carry. Crushed it. Incredible. Yeah. He's phenomenal. But last year he averaged 3.5 yards per carry. Right. I just have a tough time. I have a tough time getting around that. I, just, I don't understand. I mean, I know that I assume the offensive line there were some issues or whatever. Do you, I mean, any well, insight I, there, Kevin? I, just, I mean, I'm just Hey, Kevin, before you say anything, yeah, I, I will I, say I, this. I, uh, I will say that Cincinnati lost two of their main cogs along the offensive line before Joe Mixon even took a snap for the Bengals last year. So there was an adjustment period there. In free agency, you mean? Yes, in free agency. They lost somebody to the Rams and somebody, I can't remember where the other guy was. They they it's not like they're blocking with three guys. They have five guys. But there is, there, <laughs> it, there is, you know, as offensive lines go, there's a certain amount of familiarity and gelling that needs to take place. And I think clearly that it, okay. did, it did not take place that's last fair, year. But, but, Kevin, I'll, I'll let you go. That's my point that I wanted to make about Mixon. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would say you know they they brought in the tackle from from Buffalo. They traded for the tackle from Buffalo. They they drafted a center. Um, I think they're 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 doing. They brought in the, the the old Dallas Cowboys offensive line coach. They're rebuilding the offensive line. And I think Dave, if you look, I, I know I know you're saying three and a half yards of carry, but I think if you look at the end of the year, he was starting to bust off a little bit better uh, yards per carry games. I think he had like a 4.9 yard per carry game towards the end of the year, uh, hundred yard rushing game. So I think he was coming on. And I think if, if he was able to finish that year out, I think those numbers would have been a lot better. It's hard to, uh, know, that makes, it's hard to get going. Yeah, I'm, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to listen, by the way. Seven, eight carries a game. Right. All right. No, no, that makes sense. Actually. And I'm, he doesn't get much of a rhythm. And to be fair too, he had 30 catches for 287 yards on 34 targets. I mean, that's like a 90% catch rate. You can't really beat yeah. that. You know, and averaging like 9.6 yeah. yards per catch. So maybe I, I need to look, I need, might need to look at Mixon just a little bit more. Well, you will have time, Dave. Because, I do have time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the beauty of having Kevin on in the season premiere. We have all this time to, to digest to, this data, digest these opinions and yeah. thoughts, and, and right. really use them to our own selfish advantage. All right, so besides picking the best players, what do you think is the most important thing to make sure you get right when you're drafting a high-stakes high best ball league? Um, you know, for for me, it's uh, you know, there's no there's no um, set number of positions that I'm looking to draft. There's no strategy in terms of you know who I'm taking in the first four rounds. I have a list of guys that I like. Like I said earlier, I like guys that that could pop twenty to thirty point games. You're not going to win a best ball league with guys that are getting you eight, nine, ten points every week. You need the guys that could you know have the big play potential. So. 
I'm looking for those kind of guys. Um, I like uh, drafting tight ends early in these leagues. Um, there was a league last year where a 77 where I came out of the gate and drafted four straight tight ends and uh, won the league. So, um, oh, wow. There's, yeah, so. Uh, I bet you just so seriously in that league. Let me interrupt you. Did everyone hate you in that league? Because you were like the biggest <laughs> knock because you took all the play that. What they say? Are they like, oh, come on, man, really? They <laughs> couldn't comprehend what I was doing, so um, I'm, I'm glad it worked out anyway. But, uh, but you know, uh, Rich Dunn, who, uh, who you guys know, I do a lot of drafts with him on the uh, the 35s. He uses that strategy a lot, yep. and he has a lot of success. Um, if you look okay. at, as to why, I mean, if you look at if you look at the game logs for those top tier tight ends, they're they're getting you know seven, eight, nine games where they're where they're popping twenty point weeks. I mean, they're they're really consistent. Yeah. They're they're giving you uh, high production every week. And uh, you know, I also the other the other thing I, I I really try to do if I can, if the price is right, I like to handcuff my running backs. Uh, if you look at that that big dog league that I won last year, I had I took Dalvin Cook in the third round. I came back with Latavius Murray and uh, McKinnon. Um, you know, probably rounds like nice. seventeen and twenty. So without without handcuffing uh, Dalvin Cook, I, there's no way I won that league. And uh, you know, I most of the leagues that I won last year, most of the draft expert leagues, I had. Ingram and Kamara. So I handcuffed Ingram with Kamara, and obviously that worked out pretty well. So, um, they're quite starting together a lot. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Kevin Proxer, the 1250, uh, number three, live best ball champ from the FFPC last year, joining a program tonight. Kevin, we are running uh, a little bit late on time, but I do want to squeeze in at least one email here. This is from Jim in Jersey City, New Jersey. Uh, he writes, Hey, Kevin, got a fantasy faceoff for you. Who are you drafting first this season, Jimmy Graham or Hunter Henry? Thanks, man. That is Jim in Jersey City, New Jersey. Thanks for the email, Jim. So, Jimmy, a tight end question here. Which guy do you like better, basically? Is it Graham or is it Henry for you, Kevin? Yeah, I'm all, I'm all over Hunter Henry this year. I think uh, this is his year to uh, to break out. I could see a, a Zach Ertz type, type season for him. Uh, he came on a little bit late last year before getting injured. Um, and I do like Jimmy Graham. You know, don't get me wrong. I think he's going to have a good year with, uh, with with Green Bay. So I don't think he'd go wrong with either one of those guys. But I'm going to go with youth, and uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Hunter Henry on that one. I would agree with that, Dave. Like, you're the guy. I wonder if you agree because we had that Jimmy Graham wager, and you had bet on him scoring. Um, I can't remember what we said it at eight touchdowns or whatever it was. You bet the over on that. Do you like Graham better than Henry, or are you are you would well, you rather take Henry? With Gates not coming back, I would take Hunter. You'd Henry. take Henry. Okay. I like him quite a bit. So it's By a clean sweep. One of my dynasty these uh, trivia uh, tidbit. I have Hunter Henry and Hayden Hurst. Triple you know, quadruple H. Yeah, quadruple H. Anyway, who gives a crap? Um, whatever. <laughs> who gives a? Okay. Anyway, so last question here, Kevin. By the way, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Who is one player you'll be avoiding in the early rounds of FFPC drafts this summer? And also, is a sleeper you plan on targeting, targeting in the mate, late to middle, uh, middle to late rounds? Are we talking about dynasty? Just no, this is, this is all like redraft, redraft, football guys, best right. ball, whatever. All right, this is the, the regular redraft stuff. Yeah, uh, I guess the guy that I, you know, I haven't drafted yet uh, goes in the early rounds, uh, probably Keenan Allen. Um, you know, I had a great year last year, stayed uh, – injury free for the first time in his career. Um, just uh, more than anything, I just don't trust him to stay healthy. Um, so I try to avoid, you know, Keenan Allen early on. Uh, the other guy too, uh, that I, I haven't drafted yet is uh, Julio Jones. And, and not that it gets Julio. I just think uh, Steve Sarkeesian just basically ruined that offense last year until 
I see uh, him call a good game. I'm going to stay away from uh, Julio Jones. Um, <laughs> guys that I'm targeting mid-round, Cooper Cup. I think they're one of Dave's guys. Um, I think he's going to grow on, on, on last year. He had a, a phenomenal rookie season. Um, I think he's the uh, the trusted guy in the slot for, for Goff. Um, I think he's going to grow uh, on last year. And uh, let's see, my, uh, you know, Michael Gallup, DJ Moore, some guys that we talked about earlier. Uh, Corey Clement is an interesting guy to me. I hate Jay Ajayi, so um, I can see Clement <laughs> being the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the back uh, that, that gets the most production in that Eagles offense. And uh, one last guy I would say uh, that I'm, I'm keeping an eye on, you know, it's depending on uh, whether he gets suspended or not um, and how many games is Robbie Anderson. Um, he produced at a wide receiver two level last year, late in the year, and uh, I think he's uh, he's 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 due for a, a breakout season. So if he uh, avoids suspension, that's somebody I'd be targeting in the middle rounds. Hey Kevin, I I, I know we said we got to get you out of here. I do want to ask you one last question, as long as you're close to the uh, to the situation. Alshon Jeffrey in the mid fifth is is that a guy that you would be hopping on board with there at that value? I I I actually for the first time uh, t- tonight I drafted Alshon Jeffrey, but no, it's a guy that I generally right. do not touch. Um, I I don't like Alshon. Um, I think you could get <laughs> a guy very similar to, to Alshon's production three or four rounds later. So um, I, I'm going to pass on Alshon and go with somebody with a little bit more upside at that point. Well, we we went we went with somebody with a lot of upside tonight, and then he came oh, through. You. Yeah, no, not you, Dave. Oh. Kevin Proctor, the twelve fifty uh, live best ball number three FFPC returning champion. Kevin Lissaman, uh, awesome to have you on. A lot of great stuff from you tonight. Thanks so much for uh, joining the show. Best of luck to you in all your leagues this year. And um, listen, when week fourteen rolls around, I don't care if he's starting for the Ravens or not. Do not start Robert Griffin the third. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely take that and uh, keep that in mind. And uh, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I love the FFPC and what you guys do. Um, the only platform I play on, customer service is outstanding. And I uh, look forward to a great summer of drafting. So thank you for everything you guys do. Appreciate it. Oh, awesome, you, Kevin. Kevin. We'll, see, we'll, we'll see you out in Vegas, man. Woo! Yes, I'll be out there soon, I promise. Uh, All right, fantastic. Kevin Proctor, the 1250 FFPC number three live throwbacks. best ball chance in 2017. Yeah, throwbacks. throwbacks. The, uh, the uh, throwbacks franchise joining us today. And a good, good guy to lead off season seven. That was a lot of, lot of great awesome. stuff from him. Yeah. Were you surprised that, the Alshon, that, he, that he wasn't on board with Alshon Jeffrey? You know why I'm not surprised? Why? Because I've been trying to pitch, pitch Alshon Jeffrey and, 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 and you can't get anything. And none of you nozzled. Yeah. yeah. Well, clearly, not. not I, mean, I could offer. I could no offer one is Al- giving you anything for him I could after offer this. Offer Alshon Jeffrey for like Trubisky, and you guys would be like, eh, hard pass. Hey, who would you rather own in Dynasty right now, Brandon Cooks or Alshon Jeffrey? <laughs> really? Cooks is still in his prime. But he's still a guy that you're trying to. How old is Alshon Jeffrey? He can't be like that old. Twenty-nine, thirty. Is he really that With old? Andrew, you know, by the way, Brandon. You know, the one underrated thing about Brandon Cooks, I know I've been. I've been plotting Brandon Cooks off. By the way, I just started searching Alshon Jeffrey, and the first like autofill that popped up was age. Alshon Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 right? he just turned 28 in February. 28, okay, so. Birthday on Valentine's Day, by the way. Oh, that's very nice. Go ahead. One thing about Brandon Cooks that's underrated, I know I've been pitching him around yeah. because I love DJ Moore so much. I've been doing like deals with him and, and DJ Moore. It's probably a mistake. Whatever. Who cares? Um, Cooks has been injury-free his entire pro career. And you know what a good you know what a good predictor of injuries is and not getting injured? 
not getting injured. Right, yeah. So when you don't get injured, you're not very good at getting injured. Right. Best of uh, best ability is availability, as it were. That's true. It's, it is like a, you know, if uh, our buddy from Cornell is in here, Kern Reed, Kern Reed, he'd be telling us like, oh, that's right, it's a predictor. Kern probably has a published paper on uh, on you know um, uh, injured insects and yeah. uh, and you know uh, the, <laughs> the, the recovery time that it took. <laughs> He's probably got some sort of like you know. Uh, yeah, um, whatever. You know, uh, some some sort of uh, farm or, or rehabilitation facility in his office at at Cornell, where he um, keeps track of uh, how long it they he can re- how long he has to wait uh, to care for them before he can release them back into the wild. You know what I really like to do, to be honest with you, I'd love to shadow Kern for like a week or two and pretend I'm like a doctoral a doctoral. That would be fun. That'd be great. I'd be like, oh yeah, and then just say nothing but just stand there and listen to all the stuff he says and be and just like nod or make weird faces right. when people come in and ask for stuff like an undergrad and be like, right. oh, right, yeah. You know, like, that's terrible. <laughs> you know, I just feel like a total knob. Well, I'm going to let you be a total knob right now uh, to me when we do Fantasy Flash. I want to thank Football Guys, Virtual World, and Rob for tonight's rundown. Some uh, juicy nuggets floating around the NFL this week, Dave. Royce Freeman, Freeman. Royce Freeman is going to have a chance to become the, quote, 1B back to running back Devontae Booker, according to fiction, Mike Kliss of 9news.com. Uh, Mike Kliss is saying this is a 1A and 1B situation, and it uh, sounds like Devontae Booker is going to be the guy at least to start training camp, but no C.J. Anderson. There's going to be the opportunity in that backfield between uh, Booker and Freeman. How do you see this situation right now? You just you already were a little snarky before I could even get the news. I'm sorry about that. Uh, you know, obviously, Booker's terrible, and Freeman's the new guy in town. He, he, Booker's underperformed. I don't see him not losing the job to Freeman. It's just, it, and that's so way, he's going to lose it to Freeman. The way that they're being valued right now, everyone's predicting that. I don't see any reason why that's not the case. Booker's not that special. I mean, Freeman actually was a super productive running back. He would have gone higher. He would have gone a lot higher in this draft were it not for being such a deep running back class. Royce Freeman, ADP 507, Devontae Booker at the 12-12. Now, I'm going to bring a, this That's up. really a now, massive disparity. It's a massive disparity, but does that make the getting the, the starting running back for Denver in the 12th round, almost 13th round, does that not make that a value right there? No, it actually is a good value. Now, would you be targeting both of those players, especially in a best yeah, ball format? Super cheap, yeah. To, to lock up that Denver rushing game. I would go as, you know, if I grabbed Freeman, I would go as early as like the 11th round to try and get Booker just to make sure I got him. You know, I mean, just why not lock that up? Just curiously, this probably helps nobody and there's no actionable advice here. Who would you rather have if you could only have one? Royce Freeman at the 507 or Devontae uh, Booker at the 1212? In, in a best ball. In a best ball. I might actually take, you know, as much as I am a big Freeman fan, I mean, value-wise, I might take both. Booker, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's, that's you're going to have the opportunity to take both. I can so spend that fifth round pick on something else, though. Right. And then just say, oh, Booker, why not take a flyer? Just in case, you know, Freeman could bust. I mean, I would say the odds of, of Booker outperforming Freeman are probably about 40%, right? So yeah. I, can, I can easily favor Freeman, but the cost is so cheap relative to it that Booker is the better play. That comes up all the time in like stock trading and the economics and things like that. People mistake make those mistakes all the time. I don't want to do a would you rather for this one, but guys going right around that Royce Freeman area are Ronald Jones, Sony Michelle, Deion Lewis, Alex Collins, and Nick Chubb. Well, there's various ones I would rather have. Right. But I mean like Rojo for sure, I'd rather yeah. have him. Sony Michelle? I'd rather have Sony Michelle. Chubb. Over uh yeah, I, I probably would rather have Chubb because I think Chubb is Quite a bit more talented. You would rather have Royce Freeman than Deion Lewis and Alex Collins then? 
I, I by the way, I've agreed with you so far on all these. Okay, cool. That's actually. Um, yeah. All right, I'll just tell you this right now. I think I'll pass on Dion Lewis versus Freeman. I, I think I would probably take. I would definitely take Freeman over Alex Collins for me. Yeah, because Collins, he's supposed to deal with, like, Kenneth Dixon and all sorts of other stuff, and he's not a super special talent. He's an undrafted free agent came over. Ronald Jones, we just talked about him. He's been catching a variety of passes during rookie minicamp. He will have the opportunity to play in space and will line up as a receiver in Dirk Cutter's offense. This is from Jenna Lane's report on ESPN.com. Rojo could be uh, that three-down talent the Buccaneers have been looking to uh, replace Doug Martin with. I'm the last guy they had who could do it was Doug Martin. Uh, and obviously he's a home run hitter as well. I know Jones, Dave. I know you like him for Dynasty. Can you get on board with him at the 501 in best ball? You know, I was trying to pull up this really quickly. I, I didn't really... I'm sorry. Do you need me to vamp for a little no, bit? No, no, no. No, whatever. The show's whatever. But there was a roll of his article that talks about receiving market share. Mm-hmm. And, for example, Darius Geis, of the running backs at LSU, yeah. he had 15% market share of receiving four running backs, which is very poor. Yeah. But Ronald Jones didn't have a lot of catches for USC, but... Yeah, I don't remember the number, but it was around the 58 to 65. For running backs at USC. For running backs at USC. He caught like 60% of the passes, let's just say 60. Okay. So he was a very, you know, they don't throw the ball to running backs very often, but they do. They, they do both throw it to Ronald Jones. And he looked great at the combine, looked great at the pro day. I mean, I saw his interview, and he's like, oh, yeah, man, just receiving. You know, if that's his, he's a good receiver. And you look at, you look at him, he looks like he's going to be a good receiver. He doesn't, you know, his body type is not the type where he's like this clunky, Big, large, 5'11", 245-pound turd yeah. that can't catch passes. He looks like he can catch passes pretty easily. USC does not throw to their running backs often, but when they do, they prefer <laughs> Ronald Jones. That's very true, actually. That's very true. T.Y. Hilton has stood out so far in the off-season program for the Indianapolis Colts and appears to be giving Frank Reich, their new head coach, his full effort. Well, God bless him. I'm glad he's trying. I'm glad that... that, that he's uh, making $8 million a year, whatever it is. Yeah, I'm glad he's it's trying. nice to see him trying this year. <laughs> He cut off fast food, I heard. Maybe Zach Kiefer from the Indianapolis Star just needed something to uh, write about here. But this was his report. Oh, Zach, Z-A-K. Yeah. Um, no comment. T.Y. Hilton has uh, <laughs> had a bad year last year. He did not. Mom, thanks for the name. He did not hit 1,000 yards. That was the first time in four years he has not done that. Uh, obviously, he did not uh, catch passes from Andrew Luck last year, even though Jim Irsay would have had had us believe that he would have been catching passes. Until early September that he was telling us that Luck was going to be throwing on the ball. Um, he finished as the WR25 in standard scoring, this according to football guys. I don't know what he finished in uh, PPR this year. What I can tell you, Dave, right now, and I, I think I know your answer to this, but I feel like we're obligated to talk about it. T.Y. Hilton going at the end of the third round, um, which is interesting because I think he's like T.Y., Turn yes, Hilton. You know, turn, in, yes. turn yes, because two years ago, he was going at that 312 401. Oh, that's right. Then last year, he was going at like the 212 301. And now here he is back at the 312 401. It's always at that, you know, he's always going on the ends for whatever reason. So, T.Y. Hilton, are you getting on board with him at the end of the third round? Noah Bulky, I'm not. Let's move on. No, I'm not going to totally do that. Who would you rather have? Bulky, I'm not. Yeah. Who would you rather have this year uh, for guys going right around that same spot? T.Y. Hilton or Amari Cooper? You know, I don't like Cooper, but I'm taking Cooper. Really? Wow. Well, first of all, okay. First of all, and you would take Thielen over Hilton, right? Um. Uh, 
probably yeah. I, I don't know if I I I, I no I would close. I would take I would take uh, Cooper over Hilton. Um, I, I would. By the way, just be, I'm going to let you get your point out. I'm going to let sorry. you finish. Um, but this is one of the greatest questions of all time. Tyreek Hill and Doug Baldwin. I would both rather have than T.Y. Hilton there as well, and they're going right at that same spot. Really? Yeah. I I, I look at Doug Baldwin. What's surprising about that, Baldwin? No. I'm, well, okay. First of all, Tyreek, you would rather have Hill than Hilton. Hill, I would rather have Hill and Baldwin than Hilton okay. by a lot. There you go. First of all, you don't know that Andrew Luck's coming back. He's no, you don't. Yeah. And the uh, fantasy drafters are discounting Andrew Luck. He's QB 11 the last time I checked. So, I will look that up right so now. So if he was totally healthy, he'd be like QB 3 or 4 or whatever, 2, 3, 4 in that range, right? Yes. And so he's not. He's QB 11. So they're t- discounting that. But they're Still not QB 11 at the 904. They're not discounting Hilton properly. Because you have Doug Baldwin getting passes from Russell Wilson, who was like the number one or number two quarterback last year. He's fantastic. Should be a target monster. Yeah. Though. Who else? Yeah. Graham is gone. And then they lost Richardson. And they have Lockett, who's been sucking. They have Lockett and Jerron Brown, I mean, yeah. is there for. But granted, one could say, oh, they're going to double cover Baldwin, this or that. But whatever. He's going to get open. He's going to be, he's gonna be yeah. And then. The scheme of open, Dave. And then Mahomes is like Mr. Rocket Arm. They, you know, they they like Mahomes so much. They saw him play one game, week 16. Right. They're like Alex Smith, who was like, what was he, the number four fantasy quarterback last yeah, year? Yeah, and they used He's four. like, ah, get out of town, son. We don't yeah. even need you. Yep. And so then, you know, that's that's what they think of Mahomes with the huge Rocket Arm, too, with the big, long, deep playmaking guy, Tyree Kill. So I think Hill's going to be just fine as well. I mean, granted, you got Sammy Watt coming to town, so he's going to bust off 40 catches for 700 yards, be overdrafted like usual, and maybe get hurt. Percentage chance Andrew Luck is under center for the Colts in week one. <laughs> you know, I would on Okay, I'll say 65. <laughs> okay, that's a that's lot pretty, higher than I thought you were going to But that's say. pretty low, though. I mean, in, because these guys are talking about... Like, 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 like it's a done deal. No brainer, yeah, right? Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Keep in mind, okay, so he's currently not throwing a football. He's throwing a weighted ball. We don't know what that is. It could, right. be, a, it could be a steely if you're playing marbles. It uh, could be a, 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 a ping pong ball. A tiger ball. eye. Or whatever. You have no idea what the weighted ball is. Right. He's not throwing a football. So, yet, in like 120 days or whatever, right. he's now expected to throw this 15-ounce the Duke. football. Yeah. You know, 45 times a game at like a 60 mile, 50, 60 miles per hour. Is that how much they weigh? 15 ounces? Yeah. Oh, okay. I never knew In that, that neighborhood. Well, you know, that's part of the inflation gate or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But he's supposed Deflate to. Inflate gate. <laughs> you know, for as much as we heard it, I don't know how you butcher it to call it inflation gate. That's kind of fun. Who cares? Yeah. But I mean, if, you know, if he's supposed to throw it 40 times a game, I don't think so. Yeah, it's not looking great. Speaking on Good Morning Football this week, David Johnson says his goal is still 1,000 rushing yards and 1,000 receiving yards. In his second year in the NFL, he had 879 receiving to go with 1,239 rushing. Uh, so it seemed like it was attainable to go 1,000, 1,000 last year. Had a wrist injury uh, in the first game of the season and basically never came back after that. This is not a debilitating injury. It's an injury he's fully recovered from. Uh, he's had all offseason to prepare. And yet, Dave... When he was coming off that second year in the NFL, he was the de facto 101. Yep. And maybe you saw Le'Veon Bell go at the 101 in a couple of drafts. Most of the time, it's David Johnson. Yeah. Misses all year for, again, an injury that's not, it's not a knee. It's not a lower body thing. Right. Nothing like that. It's kind of a quirky injury, to be honest. Yeah. And now he's going at the 104. Now, it seems this is going to be a weird question, but does the one, is he undervalued at the 104 right now? <laughs> For, I mean, yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, okay, 
Okay, I'm, who's going ahead of him? Let's just go. You, you, I don't even have to tell you. You know who's going ahead of so him. So we got Elliot. Yep, at the one on three. I think that's a mistake. Okay, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay. Uh, Bell. Yep. I think that's one on two. Okay. And uh, the other guy. Yep. <laughs> Saquon. No. <laughs> Todd Gurley. Is oh, it's Todd Gurley. That's right. Okay. He's the guy who won me all those leagues. Right. Okay, so I cannot argue with Gurley. He had a fantastic year. I would still take Gurley over David Johnson right. at this point. Okay, and Le'Veon Bell had a great year as well, but he's holding up. I mean, you know, I'm going to get out of Le'Veon Bell a little bit with my Jalen Samuels. Okay. Right. So, but Le'Veon Bell, he's, he's holding out. Uh-huh. He's not signing his franchise tag. He's, right. he's probably smoking the reefer right about now, I don't whatever know. he's doing. The views of Dave Gerzak do not re- necessarily represent the views of the high <laughs> fantasy football or in Arizona. No, he's been suspended for games. He's had uh, – we're going to get into Le'Veon Bell. he issues, yeah. yes. So, it needs the team – the team and Lady and Bell are not kosher together right now at this point. They're I think not, you can agree with that. It's, I've seen better synergy. Right. So that we'll, we'll get into that more. But David Johnson's happy. You know, their yeah. team's good. Ezekiel Elliott. Well, is the team good, though? Well, well, we'll see about that. I mean, he's good with the team. But he's good with the team. The team is not great. But The counter-argument to that Dan one. Dan Bradford is not a terrible. He's an NFL-caliber starting right. quarterback. He is. And he'll be starting for two or three games there before Rosen takes And over. then Rosen's fine. You know, he's got the weird look in his face or whatever. Elliot, okay. First of all, Tavon Austin. By the Tavon way, Austin, there's only 90 plays in the game yeah. on offense. Okay. Tavon Austin is going to get 12 to 24 of them. That's a lot of plays. You know, Elliot might only get four carries a game, five, six carries. You know, you say that in jest, um, but there is but something. To, there is I'm something, actually being truthful. There is something to the fact of the Cowboys want him playing running back. The web, the web back. The web back. Right. They want him doing that. They're not a heavy pass volume team. Exactly. You know what I mean? How many catches how many catches is Elliot gonna have if Tavon Austin is the shifty guy coming out of the backfield? The point I want to make is you can throw stones and say Dallas the the Cowboys coaching staff for saying twelve to twenty four touches for Tavon Austin, you can call him an idiot, whatever you want. Fact is they still said it. And if they believe that, it's going to come and if they try to implement it, it's going to come at the expense of somebody. And it seems to me the easiest one that would be, well, maybe Cole Beasley comes at the expense of that. But Ezekiel Elliott is, I mean, that's a dent into him, too. I would rather have, I don't know how much better the Cowboys' offense is than Arizona. Frankly, I don't know if it is better. And I could easily see that David Johnson is playing on a better offense in Arizona than Elliott is playing in Dallas. And I, I know the offensive line in Dallas is better than Arizona. But by and large, I think that you can make the argument that, that David Johnson should be going ahead of Elliott. I don't know if I'm with you yet on... Le'Veon Bell being a mistake at the 102, I certainly see the argument. But when you have a team that is built to win this year, they can easily ride Le'Veon Bell for however many, you know, 400-plus touches or whatever again this year and, you know, really run him down going into free agency. Uh, I think Bell would be on board with that because he wants to inflate his numbers, and the Steelers obviously want to utilize him as best as they can. Right. Um, so I'm not sure I'm all the way there on taking Johnson ahead of Bell, but for sure over Elliott. So, and again, so you, go, you go back to 2017 running back stats. Yep. The top eight running backs all had 52 catches or more. So, will Ezekiel Elliott have 52 catches? How many did he have last year, just curiously? I thought he had in the 30s. Again, he missed some time. He missed one, two, three, four, five, six games. Oh, he obviously wasn't a top eight back because of all that timing. Right, he missed I forgot. six okay. games. He had 23 catches. And so, he, he would not have had 50-some. But he, he was actually um, – so he played in 10 games, is that accurate? Yeah, and a points-per-game basis, Elliott was running back three. And so he, 
from that perspective, he's being valued fairly. But there was not the Tavon Austin factor, which sounds so stupid, kind of. I, would, I don't even think he would have hit 40 catches last year if you extrapolate that. One thing to consider about Elliott last year is he had a 43.3 point game playing at the 49ers, where he had 147 rushing yards, two touchdowns, 72 receiving yards. Um, you know, he had a massive game. Yeah, and I'm not saying big. I'm not saying he won't have that, but that is a little bit of an outlier, you know, and that doesn't matter actually. Um, moving on, Bucks offensive coordinator Todd Monken said Chris Godwin has quote earned the right to start. Godwin actually uh, did pretty well last year as a rookie when he got his uh, shot. He had 55 targets last year. Out of those 55, he caught uh, 34 of them for 525 yards and a touchdown. He's obviously not leapfrogging Mike Evans there, and they do have O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait at tight end. But Dave, Sean Jackson, I mean, I know we're talking about a bounce-back season for He's him terrible. this year. No, we're not, no, we're not. Well, some people are, I'm just saying. Yes, we're not, though. Let's just be clear. We okay. are not talking about We are not talking about Deshaun Jackson bouncing back. <laughs> All right. But uh, Chris Godwin could easily step in there, and yeah. he makes for a sneaky pick there when you talk about him being the number two receiver on a team that has not fixed all of its defensive issues yet, could be involved in some classic NFC South shootouts. Godwin's an interesting guy right now in FFPC drafts. He is uh, the 2208. Oh, that's ridiculously yeah. low. He's going to move up, granted, from, from this news. Mm-hmm. But I, I totally agree. I think Deshaun Jackson is way overrated. I'm not a big fan. Uh, I, in fact, he's one of my tough candidates on one of my, one of my dynasty teams. And I'm talking about keeping a player like Justin Watson, who's on the same team, in his you know, two, 2305. Two positions below going. Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Or between uh, Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. So. He's going at the 2305. Chris Godwin at the 2208. You know who's going at the 2207? No, That's right, Tavon Austin, <laughs> which he's going to move up to. Yeah, he's been recently moved to running back for FFPC, but we don't even know where he's going to finish up. Who knows? I don't think the team knows. Yeah. I We're running out of time, so we're not going to play the drop. But you specifically came out this week and said, we need to make some time on the show this week for me to defend Jalen Samuels and why people are missing the boat on him. So I'm going to give you the floor right now. You take this however you want, but I'm only going to restrict you to saying that you have to talk about Jalen Samuels. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So this is a, this is a player that, um, you know, came upon him or whatever. So let's just talk first of all about the, the situation with Pittsburgh. Okay. We have Lady and Bell. He's holding out. He's getting franchise tagged. He has not signed the tender. This is now his sixth season with the Steelers. Wow. There's been a lot. You know, he's had his issues with the Steelers. He's been suspended in August of 2016. Tore, and, but the team, the team was very, um, they're family type team. They were kind of they pissed are. off about what happened. So they were not happy about that. Tore his MCL in 2015. He had a sports hernia surgery in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has had uh, 1,229 NFL career carries, 1,626 regular season touches, 1,720 touches, including the playoffs. I believe for three straight years he ended the season with a knee injury too. He's had, yeah, he's had injury issues, absolutely. Last year, he had a 73% market share of rushing. So who's his backup? His backup was James Conner. He's right. in the third round. Fitzgerald Toussaint, too. I mean, you can make the case it was... But Conner was, was supposedly the guy. But supposedly, dude, yeah. He scored. He had 32 carries for 144 yards. No catches. Zero. Zero catches. 7% market share. And then he tore his MCL uh, December of 2017. So James Conner is not a pass-catching back. No. He's not... He's, he's really, okay, if you're the Steelers and you're like, okay, well, we have Bell, you know, we've had problems with this guy, Are we, we trust James Conner, and the answer is steadfastly 100% no. No. Right? So then you look at Jalen Samuels, and look at, let's, let's talk about his combine real quick. All right. 
He, then let's compare him to Le'Veon Bell. Bell is six foot one. Chino Samuels five eleven and a half. Bell is two thirty. Samuels is two twenty five. Bell ran a four six. Samuels ran a four five four. Uh, vertical, you know, a vertical and, and broad jump, thirty one and a half to thirty four and a half uh, for Samuels actually won that one. Bell is one eighteen to one twenty one for the broad jump. Uh, the three cone drill, which is a huge thing for running backs, uh, Le'Veon Bell had a six point seven five. That's a really good running back on three cone drill at two hundred thirty pounds. Jalen Samuels, 6.93. That's pretty solid. That's, yeah. that's not far away. Right. Uh, bench press reps, 24 to 18 uh, for Bell. Jalen Samuels in college, he, listen to this, these numbers. Okay. He had 182 carries for 1,107 yards, 28 touchdowns in 182 carries, 6.1 yards per carry. The yards per carry equal all the guys like Barkley. Actually, it's better than Barkley, no offense. But it's, it's like equals like guys like Chubb, Sony Michelle, Ronald Jones, uh, Rashard Penny was actually higher because he was in that worst conference. So let's talk about receiving because Samuels played like tight end as well on that team. He's like a Swiss Army knife. 201 catches for 1,851 yards, 19 touchdowns receiving, uh, 9.2 yards per carry. So this guy, out of 383 collegiate touches, had 47 touchdowns. 12% of the time, he caught, a t- he caught or ran in a touchdown. He threw a 59-yard touchdown pass. He had nine kickoff returns, averaging 23.7 yards per return last year. He was on the Bolitnikoff watch list, as well as a semifinalist for the Mackey Award for the top tight end. Bolitnikoff is for top receivers. For receivers, yeah, exactly. So this, is, this guy is like, can play. Obviously, he's a fantastic receiver. He, doesn't, he does not have the patience of a Le'Veon Bell, granted. Right. But if you're Kevin Colbert from the Steelers and you're the GM, the GM, and you're dealing with Le'Veon Bell and his contract demands, and these guys are up against the cap of it. You know, they're not, they can't just, maybe you're a team that doesn't want to spend, you know, $60 million on a guy that, and they actually made him a reasonable offer last year, Bell, and he passed, and he played out the franchise tag, and they're going to tag him again. Maybe they're going to tag him again. Maybe they don't throw on time too long to be able to see what Samuels amounts to as a backup. And if, you know, if maybe Bell's an attitude problem. You don't know. So the point is, Samuels is a really solid prospect for yep. a team that doesn't like its starting running backs. Even though Le'Veon Bell is a superstar, in 2019, Samuels has a legitimate shot. I don't know, when I say legitimate, I would say maybe a 20% chance that he's the starting running back for that team because of what, he, what his talents are, his athleticism. I, I keep I'm sorry, what percent? 20? 20. I think 20. And that's, okay, that's not great, but he's almost free in dynasty drafts. Yeah, I mean, fourth round, is that what he's going? Yeah, like... Late third, fifth, if you want round to FFPC. late third or fourth round, you can just get him almost for free. You want to guess where he's going? And if nothing, if nothing else, you have Le'Veon Bell's backup, a yep. person who has smoked pot and has also been injured and has had injury problems on a pretty very good offense. You want to take guess of where he's going in best ball drafts right now? Uh, Samuel? Yeah. 24th round? 26.05. Look at that. Does, almost free. Does, does that make – I mean, I guess – Arizona, like David Johnson's backup is what Chase Edmonds is. Are we assuming that at this point, if yeah. you're drafting now? I, I, you know, I don't even know. I, I think so. I, I kind of like. It makes it more attractive when I can get the the um the backup later when it's like kind of a known quantity. I guess for Bell and Johnson at this point, we're basically we have. A, I think I have a similar level of confidence in knowing who the backup is at right. this point. Yeah. And they're both going extremely late, so I can't value one over the other based you know, at, at basing a tiebreaker on that or anything like that. So. But, yeah, if you, if you draft Bell, the nice thing is you can pick up Samuels and reach on him and take him to 20th and still feel pretty good you're going to get him. That's excellent stuff. I think you 
Driven up Jalen Samuels ADP, no question here tonight. Yeah, we took like the twenty six oh two now. Yes, thank you for that. We should do it. We should have like some some sort of like Dizzle's corner every week. The Dizzle defense. <laughs> Dizzle rant. Um, yeah, uh, not rant. That's that's right. You want the alliteration? Dizzle's offense, Yes. No, I mean just rant. We don't need to. <laughs> these man, these manufactured rants that go on some of these podcasts. Mine, mine was a genuine actual. I'm, I'm impassioned. I've drafted him now in a bunch of leagues. Let's go to the emails. Eddie and Waverly, Ohio. Guys, do I need to seriously be concerned about Calvin Ridley returning kicks this season for his redraft value? I know you weren't big on him in Dynasty, but this doesn't make me feel good about his prospects in general. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks for the email. Eddie in Waverly, Ohio, Dave. Now, here's the interesting thing about Ridley. Uh, first of all, I'll preface this. 13-11 in best ball drafts. All right. There is a difference between a guy being placed on special teams and a guy being, like, just worked out on special teams. Calvin Ridley, they basically said right away, not basically, they did say right away, <laughs> we're going to have him return some kicks. This is before they got him on the field. This is before they saw him in action in a Falcons uniform. This is before he had the opportunity to screw up and suck and look old and slow. Okay? All right. Has he done that? He has not, he has not done that, oh, okay. to my knowledge. So I think that this is not a case of, hey, we're going to use him on special teams because we know he sucks now in doing things on offense. I think this is a case like they just literally want to get him on the field as much as possible. They know he's not going to be the number one receiver on that team, at least this year. Uh, and this is just an extra opportunity to, to squeeze some more value out of a guy they spent a first-round pick on. So I'm not necessarily worried about his dynasty value, or excuse me, redraft value. And honestly, Dave, I'm not a Ridley guy, but in the 13th round for the number two receiver on that offense, when I've basically, you know, done with Austin Hooper at this point, um, I've never been a Muhammad Sanu guy in the past. I can get on board with Ridley in the 13th round to redraft, kicking, uh, returning kicks or not. Um, you know, I, I, it depends on who else is going that spot. I'm not totally familiar. I with can it. tell you who. Sure, go ahead. Cameron Meredith, Alan Hearns, Marquise Lee, Richard Matthews, and <laughs> DJ Moore. Right, you know, I'd probably let Ridley go at that point. I'm probably taking, like, all those guys out of Ridley. Really? You would take Alvin Her- Alan Hearns over Calvin Ridley? Yeah, I would. Cameron Meredith and his shredded knee over Calvin Ridley? He, they paid him, like, two years, $10 million, and he's on the same. And Chicago let him go without even a third of <laughs> That's pretty funny. What do you think, Traquan Smith? The guy probably squats like 185. He's got the little, tiny little, there's a lower body of like a 14-year-old girl. All the glute muscles. 14-year-old soccer girl. All it does is slow you down. Look at Calvin Ridley. He weighs like 130 pounds. Do you think that guy ever lifts weights? No, he can't. If he wants to have any value on the field, he's got to be flying up and down there. He's power cleaning 25. Yeah. 95 on his And that's what keeps him healthy and fast. Yeah, you know, Ridley, I think he's I, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm not a big fan of him in Dynasty. And in Redraft, I can't get behind him over anyone who's played in the NFL. Okay, that's fine. So, like Cameron Meredith, you know, guys like that. So, or Hearns. Her, Her, I mean, the whole Michael Gallup thing is great, but Hearns is like the guy. I mean, we know Terrence Williams is awful. Right. And Rico Gathers, I mean, whatever. You know, so it, Hearns might have to be the guy there. I mean, they're going to have to throw at somebody, right? Let me give you one other, two other players that are going basically in that same area just to really test your medal <laughs> here on, on uh, not taking Ridley. Right on. Calvin Ridley or Mike Williams? Oh, Ridley, yeah. Calvin Ridley or Deshaun Jackson? I'll say, <laughs> I'll take Ridley. Because I like, you know, Mike Williams, come on. All right. That's a colossal bust. Next email. Thanks for taking my email. 
I have a two-part question. One, who is the Colts' number two receiver? And two, does it matter with the ambiguous injury of Andrew Badlock? That is Keith in Charlotte, North Carolina. Thank you for the email, Keith. Number two receiver for the Colts, Andrew Dave. down on my luck. Andrew down on my luck? No. Well, I'll pass that on to, to <laughs> Keith in the Queen City there. Okay, so the Colts' number two receiver. We know Hilton's the number one. We know Moncrief is now in Jacksonville. Potential choices for that number two receiver. You already mentioned. Let's talk about the guy you already mentioned, Therese Fountain. Basically, not going anywhere in drafts right now. What's he like? He was like a six-round pick. He was. He was, was, was he that late? I don't know. Fifth or sixth. Uh, Deion Kane, I am not seeing going in drafts uh, right now either. Now the other guy that we we've heard um, some uh, some scuttlebutt about him being the, the number two receiver there, uh, Chester Rogers going at the 25-12 pick. So FFPC players are certainly on board with Chester Rogers as the number two right now. I feel like maybe we should answer the second part. Well, and Ryan Grant as well. They just signed him to that contract. Oh, yeah, that's right. He, he actually passed the physical. He passed the physical oh, there. Congratulations. Well, hold on. Is it any surprise that he passed Indianapolis with physical? <laughs> oh, that I, is awesome. I honestly don't think that we're, uh, anybody should hey, be Dr. too shocked. Hey, Dr. Shavorkian, welcome aboard the Colts organization. <laughs> I mean, like, that would have been the first Did thing. Did you do a shoulder workup? Like, uh... Like they they saw that Ryan Grant failed this physical in Baltimore and he's like, Bring him in James Woods walked we'll up. Don't pass anybody. Any given Sunday, Baltimore. I mean like <laughs> Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne would, would probably pass physicals at this point. You know, Wayne might still start there. Yeah. So I, I think By the way, Ryan Grant twenty five oh six, so right, basically yeah. the same spot as Yeah, you gotta use Grant. I would say give Grant a nod, but I, I think uh, Darice Fountain has, has a shot. Yeah. I think he, I, I think Deion Kane's, uh he was rated really highly by our buddy Matt Waldman. Yeah. And uh, our buddy. Well, someone's buddy. And, well, uh, I mean, like we don't dislike him. I just don't think he knows who we are. Oh no, yeah. fine. He's an analyst. Right. Uh, well, people know, know who he is. Yeah, he doesn't like football that much, but it's fine. <laughs> so Darice Fountain, though, is I think the guy that got drafted sooner than the team liked him. Yeah. yeah. So and I think he's more athletic. I think that matters. Okay. I'm going to answer the first part of the question by answering the second part. It does not matter who the number two is. This is a team that now has Frank Reich as its head coach, a guy who utilized two tight end sets uh, like a bodily function in Philadelphia, and then they <laughs> went out and signed Eric Ebron. Oh, they still have Jack Doyle there, so I, I don't, you know, maybe number two receiver, but what is, what is he as far as target option? I, I don't think it's going to be great. I don't think that's a great offense. That's interesting. So they got Jack Doyle and Ebron. They also invested a the number six overall pick in Quentin Nelson, who is the best run block, well, best guard in the draft. So maybe there's going to be more of an emphasis on Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines. Oh, perfect. And perfect Jordan segue. Wilkins. Perfect segue. Let's keep talking about the Colts ball. Ray in Houston, Texas. Dear Thanos and Cable, uh, are you going to see Deadpool 2 this weekend? Uh, yeah, uh, my wife and I want to see it. Did you know My that kids unfortunately the actor who plays the quote-unquote bad guy in Deadpool 2 is the same actor who played the quote-unquote bad guy in Infinity War? Actually, no, that's interesting, but uh, I should know that. And I saw Infinity War and I saw the Deadpool preview, but now that you mentioned it, yeah, no, same I, guy. I, I get it now. Uh, that's you really think? kind of lazy. I mean, who the hell does the casting? I mean, that's a little lazy. Can mm-hmm. you find another bad guy? I'm sure they could. They chose not to. Dear Thanos and Cable, is everyone sleeping on Naheem Hines for best ball? I've been getting him fairly easily in the 13th and sometimes 14th rounds of my FFPC draft and see him more likely than not finishing as a top 25 running back this season. Wakanda forever. That is Ray in Houston, Texas. So thanks for the email, Ray. And um, 
let's talk about Naheem Hines. So he, I think he is going at like the 1309 or 1310 when I looked at this before in FFPC drafts. It does seem low, Dave, and I am. I was high on Hines uh, before the. You know, I, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about when you're going off on of Jalen Samuels. I watched Florida State play NC State, and I couldn't believe that this duo of Hines and Sam, especially Samuels, was really torching the Seminoles' defense. And they pride themselves on having a very fast sideline to sideline defense. Mm-hmm. And Samuels, a guy who again 5'11", 225, was consistently getting the corner on these guys. And Hines is already fast as hell, so you knew he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but those guys were both really impressive. I think Hines again. I, I've said this before. I, I think he's like a Darren Sproles type player. I think he's going to have a Darren Sproles esque career. And that's yes, a big, that's a big statement. And that is a big statement. This is how I view him. And so the fact that he is uh, uh, Ray Wright here. He sees it more likely uh, that uh, than not finishing as a top twenty-five running back this season. I would agree with that. Uh, I would say I would bet against it if I had to bet. And okay. If you want to put five on, I'm happy to do so. Okay. Uh, I I think he's got a chance. I think the team loves him. I, it's fantastic. Um, I don't think he did. I, I I think they estimate the three cone drill. I don't think he did it. I I think that he's a little bit. I think he has a lot of great his speed is amazing. He's got great straight line speed. I don't think he has agility and side to side movement like you really want out of a top running back. So I don't think he's got that scroll okay. nature. So I think he that's does, a fair point. He's got the good north south speed, but I don't, I'm a little worried about his ability agility wise. So. Okay, you make a pretty compelling case there for Naheem Hines. Uh, <laughs> I said like two statements. That said, <laughs> Naheem Hines finishes the season as a top twenty five running back. I got five on it. Oh, I got five on it. I got five. Okay, so Lunas is really loud there. I don't know why. <laughs> Just blew my ears out. I turned them off right away. Okay, so Naheem Hines. And the final email tonight. Uh, okay, but in the 13th round, we should, we should actually talk about this here for a second to really flesh this out for people. There's not a whole lot of running backs going in that area. Um, Bilal Powell, Devontae Booker. I know you don't like Booker. Um, Bilal Powell or Naheem Hines there? Who would, who would you like? I like I, I, I'm taking Hines basically ahead of all these guys. I'll probably take Hines. Uh, Hines or Corey Clement? Um, I'll take Hines. I don't know as big of a Clement fan. Hines or – I mean, okay, just tell me when I hit on somebody here. Giovanni Bernard, James White? No. Um, no. Here's an interesting one. Theo Riddick. No, I don't like Riddick either. I mean – I like Hines, but I think I might take Riddick over Hines. I, Riddick is the only guy I'm sure, I'm sure of in that Hines backfield. Yeah, but Kieran Johnson is not going to all of a sudden be taking yeah. over third downs there. Riddick is all overrated. You think Riddick's going to be a top 25 back? You just said Hines is going to be. Riddick's not going to be a top 25 yeah, back. That's a good Riddick sucks. That's a good point. <laughs> um, Dante Foreman? No. C.J. Anderson? Foreman, I don't think Foreman. I'll take C.J. Anderson probably. I don't think Foreman makes it back. Although, you know, I don't know about... Yeah, yeah he's just going to be a two-down back. Last, last one, then. Marshawn Lynch. I'll take Lynch. And I would take Lynch over Hines there. All right. um, I'm a little surprised. Well, whatever. Uh, let's uh, get to the last email of the night. Hey, Balky and Dave. Matt Nagy seemed... This is actually interesting. I'm, I'm, before we get to the actual question here, I want to get your opinion on this. Matt Nagy seemed like he was falling all over himself in a Pete Carroll-esque manner today, talking about Tariq Cohen, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Adam Shaheen, and really everyone. Did you see this at all today? I, I heard about the Cohen, but I didn't hear that he was, like, infatuated with every dude yeah. on the team. Yeah, I mean, it was just like, I'm, 
like, and, and the Pete Carroll-esque thing is, is spot on because this was like, you know, Pete Carroll is like Mr. Positive about everything in Seattle. You know? right, right, right. Well, yeah, I know he broke his leg last week, but we're hopefully can come back for the Thursday night game. You know what I mean? Like that kind of – and he was talking about how Shaheen is a great fit for their offense. Um, Allen Robinson is right where he – where, you know, they want him to be at this point. Taylor Gabriel is going to be big. Like just not all these guys are going to be awesome. They just can't. You know who might not be awesome? Matt Nagy. <laughs> that is a great point. They should ask him, Matt. Hey, Matt, what do you think about Matt Nagy as the head coach? Uh, well, well, sort of evaluate myself as the season. Given that you love everyone, yeah. we're starting to doubt you. Anyway, not all great. So, oh, by the way, this is West in Garden City, New York. Right. The one guy I wanted to ask you about is who I view as the most important. Can you play a Would You Rather with Allen Robinson? Well, we certainly can play a Would You Rather. We are running way late on time. So I'm not going to uh, have Rob play the uh, the production here. But let's play a Would You Rather with Allen Robinson. And I will start with Allen Robinson or <laughs> Allen Robinson or Jarvis Landry. Uh, this is for this year. Re- redraft. Uh, you know, I'll take Landry, actually. Okay, I would take Robinson there, and it's not particularly close. <laughs> Allen Robinson or Brandon Cooks? Uh, I'll take Robinson. It's like you're slow playing a, a poker hand. Yeah, I think about it a little bit. Here's an interesting one for, for us. There and was I, a low-volume passing offense, and Cooks is a deep ball guy. Uh, I know this isn't exactly the same, but Allen Robinson or Juju Smith-Schuster? Robinson. I agree. Allen Robinson or Josh Gordon? I don't trust Gordon enough to take him over Robinson. I'll take Robinson. So Josh Gordon or Jarvis Landry, you would take Jarvis Landry then, right? Yeah. Okay. Me, I would. Alan, I agree with you on that, by the way. Alan Robinson or Alshon Jeffrey? I'll take Robinson. I don't like Jeffries. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Alan Robinson or Demarius Thomas? I'll take Robinson. I actually like Thomas more than most people do, I think. I do, too, and I'm also taking Robinson. Alan Robinson or Stephon Diggs? Um, thing is, I liked Thomas last year, and it was uh, didn't work out so well. No. Um, I'll say, I, I'm gonna go with Robinson only because I think Diggs has to share a little bit with Thielen. Yeah, that's what worries me too. Uh, and Cousins is actually talented enough to spread it around. Um, so I agree with you there. Allen Robinson or Larry Fitzgerald? Fitz. I agree. Allen Robinson or Amari Cooper? Uh, <laughs> you know what? You just never know. You just never know when Amari Cooper might have one of those mysterious unreported injuries during the season. So I'm going to have to take Alan Robinson. So terrible. I'm going to have to prepare a dossier of Alan Amari Cooper injury stuff from the 2017. Just disappear out of nowhere and then um, report it after the season again. My project for the weekend: go to the library and and get on the microfiche machine and see if I can chew up all these Amari Cooper articles. <laughs> the mysterious case of Amari Cooper. Alan Robinson or Adam Thielen. Take Cooper. <laughs> All right, I'll take Robinson. Um, I <laughs> will agree. Yeah, I'm going to agree. Alan Robinson or T.O.I. Hilton? Robinson. I agree. Alan Robinson or Doug Baldwin? I'll take Baldwin for sure there. Yeah, I think I will too. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying Oh, that's close. And then uh, I, I, I think I'm going to stop. Well, no, I'm going to do, do two more. Alan Robinson or Tyreek Hill? Hill. I agree. And then Alan Robinson or A.J. Green? Green. Okay. I thought you were a little down on green this year, but yeah, he's good enough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for our show. I want to uh, want to. Th- oh, by the way, I, I'm going to make a special mention of this. A big happy birthday to the Dizzle tomorrow. 
turning, uh, what is it, 55? 29. Oh, 29. Interesting. 56. <laughs> <laughs> wonder if you pick up on that. So happy birthday to you. Obviously, we will not be doing a show tomorrow. That's why we did the show tonight. I also want to thank uh, Kevin Proctor uh, for coming on the show tonight. 1250 FFPC Best Ball Number 3 Defending Champion. Uh, the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and, of course, you all get my undying thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in on a Thursday night. Next Friday, we return live with 10-time football guys, players, championship winner, league winner, Jeremy Mills. He will be on the show next week. Uh, register for the main event, Best Ball Dynasty League, now at myffpc.com. Get in on that football guys early bird. Plenty of football guys drafts, plenty of best ball drafts, and dynasty drafts are sneaking up too. If you want to get in on a startup, now is the time. You can draft all you want this weekend with the FFBC. And of course, your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. About to call your ass a Uber, I got somewhere to be. I hear fairy tales about how they gon' run up on me. But run up when you see me, then we gon' see. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies. Got a lot of people trying to drain me of this energy. Trying to take away. I know I said I wouldn't do it, but I may have to revisit this Theo Riddick bet. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it this week because you're 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 so adamant that he's not gonna be a top twenty five back. I'm not too sure about that. Uh, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll throw on that bad boy. I know you will. I will consider it a standing offer going into week four <laughs> when he is the R B six. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enjoy the season seven premiere. Uh, another great year lined up for y'all. Thanks for listening. <laughs>